Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week three is officially in the books and we're here to give you a recap on this week's events. We'll cover some of the bigger games, have another round with Nate Marquise's freakout scale, and as well as bring you a fresh set of waiver wire targets for this week. All this and more coming right after this. Zappi looking to Jared Stearns who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson as advertised. Touchdown, Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. It's already week three, y'all. We're a third of the way through the seat, or a third. Jesus, I can't do math this morning. Uh, got an engineering degree and can't do simple math. Anyway, uh, we're a fourth of the way through the season already. It blows my mind that it's flying by this quickly, and I, it. it Feels like yesterday the season really just got started, but we've already watched four weeks of worth of football. And if you're, we got thankfully plenty more down the line, but it, it is crazy to me how quickly we're running through the season already. We got a load of show for you guys today. Uh, we're going to start off first 10, 15 minutes. We'll be talking about this past week, talking about some of the uh, bigger games, some of the things that surprised us, didn't surprise us. Uh, of course, I got to talk about my dogs a little bit. You know, you know how it is around here. Uh, then we're going to move on to Nate Marquise's freakout scale. We got three players today that we really want to talk about in terms of how worried should we be about them moving forward. And then finally, as always, we will get to your waiver wire pickups. And Fantrax has roster ship back on the website. So we actually have some people that are officially under 40% and are definitely going to be available in most of your leagues. Our fearless co-host, Mr. Nate Marquise, is out today. He is dealing with some family, taking care of his family a little bit. And so we have another member of our CFF team here at Campus Kenton joining us. It is the ever handsome and dashing Mr. Brandon Sanders, host currently of the Bet on C2C podcast. But you can also find him during the offseason with the Future Freshman podcast. Brandon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, man. Enjoying uh, a weekend full of football, uh, anticipating a, a Denver Broncos comeback game. Didn't go so hot as we were talking off camera this past Monday night for the whole nation to finally see. But I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited to be back on Chasing the Natty. Uh, we had some really good football, man. So I'm really excited to dig into this and talk to you a little bit about it. Yeah, and that pretty we can pretty much go ahead and get right into that. Again, we'll do my spiel later. That'll come later. But first, let's talk about some of these football games from this past weekend. Always a fun place to start off. We can talk about my dogs real quick. Georgia, we go to South Carolina. Some people said this might have been a trap game. Well, the final score, 48-7, says that it was anything but. Stetson Bennett had another phenomenal day. 284 yards passing, um, responsible for two different touchdowns. And then Brock Bowers, the return of Brock Bowers. Five receptions for 121 yards, two touchdowns through the air. Oh, and by the way, also got a touchdown on the ground. So if you held out and stuck Brock Bowers into your lineup this week. You were finally rewarded for doing so. I had an absolute blast watching this game this past weekend. Brandon, do you have any quick thoughts on the Bulldogs this weekend? You said you were able to catch that game. 
Yeah, so my brother, he's a he's a Georgia fan as well. He's he's a Bulldogs guy, so I was able to kind of sit back and watch the whole game just because he was working, so he needed the play-by-play. Um, but I'm just super excited to be at the return of Brock Bowers. Finally, the man is back in there. That tight end room is looking fantastic. Oscar Delp getting the mix. We had a little bit of Washington in there. I was a little disappointed with our with our boy Kenny McIntosh. He just had an off week, but it sounds like we had the return. Kendall Benton looked really strong, and I'm going to say it like Stetson Bennett needs to start being rostered, and we might talk about that here shortly. I think uh, I think the respects do. I said it on the Battle on C2C podcast. He's definitely a guy that you want to play in DFS. He has all those weapons, and now it's getting to the point to where, uh, regardless of dynasty, maybe in redraft, he needs to kind of be a backup guy to the one where. He could be a start play depending on the matchup because it looks like the SEC is just not going to stop Stetson whatsoever, especially not the uh, non-conference games that are going to play. So I'm becoming more a fan of uh, calling the Cologne King, Mr. Stetson himself. So really enjoy this game. Uh, what was that uh, nickname again? The Cologne King because he's Cologne a Stetson King. man. Yes. Okay. He's a Stetson okay, man. Fair. I'll, 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 <laughs> give you, I'll give you that one. That's a new one. have not heard that nickname for Stetson. But then again, typically the nicknames for Stetson are not nearly as kind. No, they're uh, not. So I'm trying to put some more respect to the man's name. So <laughs> yes, sir. Stequavius Bennett the fourth. Um, yes. Yeah. Again, yeah, that that was that was definitely an awesome game to catch out. And um, you're 100 right. Three games in, obviously a small sample size, but Stetson's hit right about 30 points, fantasy points, in both of the major matchups that he wasn't pulled at halftime, basically for. Uh, against Sanford, it was a little bit weaker, but if you watched the Sanford game, it was just a weird game overall in terms of like what Georgia was working on for that game because they knew they could do whatever they wanted to Sanford, so they weren't going to just throw the ball all over the yard like they did against South Carolina or against Oregon. But I agree with you. Stetson is somebody that we should consider. Not going to be on the waiver wire pickup just yet today, but definitely an honorable mention. Let's talk about some other games. Oklahoma, Nebraska. This started off really well for Nebraska. It did. For about five seconds. And then it crumbled quickly. And then it crumbled really, really quickly. I was very, very impressed with Oklahoma in this game. I was very impressed with the way that they kind of responded to some adversity. I was a little worried because Oklahoma hadn't had the hardest of schedules really up until this point. They hadn't really had had any kind of adversity thrown towards them. And so when Nebraska scored early on, I said, okay, if Oklahoma doesn't respond well to this, this could end up being a game. And then it was like 35-7 at halftime. And I'm like, okay, Oklahoma, you did quite well for yourself. Dylan Gaber had a very awesome day. I feel really bad. And we'll talk about this other guy in a second. But somebody asked me, Dylan Gabriel or Anthony Richardson, to start this weekend. And I said, yeah. oh, yeah, I like uh, like Anthony Richardson to go up against USF. We'll talk about why that was a mistake here in a bit. But what are your thoughts on this Oklahoma-Nebraska game, Brandon? Or, yeah, Brandon. Yes. Uh, so one shout out to Dylan Gabriel, my uh, QB1 in Dynasty, doing a fantastic job, getting it done on his his legs and his arms. So I'm super excited. Um, I'm just really impressed by Oklahoma. They seem to have not really lost a lot of their touch when it comes to their high octane type offense. Really enjoyed that the uh, Gabriel's getting the ball around. Finally, we saw Theo Weiss start to get a little bit more active in this game as well. So now we're seeing a multitude of wide receivers at Oklahoma kind of emerge. So I'm really, really stoked with that. I love the trick play with the uh, the whole pass to Marcus Major. We all were like, well, you know, we thought Marcus Major maybe possibly was going to start taking the reins there soon. But instead, he got the job done. He still 
Got the fantasy points in. He was a really great play in DFS for those that were playing this past weekend. Very sneaky. Uh, so really, really enjoyed this game. Uh, like I said, Nebraska, it looked like they had like a scripted thing for maybe like maybe 20 plays, and they got through maybe five of them and just gave up. <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe Oklahoma just blindsided them that quickly. So, uh, But it was a great game. It was one of those games where you saw the first uh, first half, and I was like, well, this one's decided. I'm moving on now. So, <laughs> yeah. Being of games that I think kind of went the op- opposite way that a lot of people are kind of thinking in terms of just it being a blowout really early on, and from there is a pretty much decided early on. Oregon, number 25 Oregon, actually BYU came to Oregon. So I should say number 12 BYU going to number 25 Oregon. I don't think a lot of people could really admit that we had no clue how good this Oregon team was going into the last week. I think a lot of the, the image fresh in everybody's mind was just them getting absolutely dismantled by Georgia. And then the image that everybody had in BYU was, hey, they just beat Baylor. They're coming off a really good win. They've had some really close wins so far. Like they, They've been in tough games. They should be more prepared for this game. And then Oregon went out and smashed them, like badly. And so I, I be, I'll be real, didn't get to actually watch a whole ton of this game. I, had an event yesterday that kind of kept me from some of the afternoon and later games. Um, I caught a lot of the Penn State-Auburn uh, game, which we'll get to here in a second. But, Brandon, do you have any thoughts on this BYU-Oregon game? I think you said it yourself. A lot of people – I think Oregon's been masked just because of the beatdown that Georgia gave to them. Like, this is – Georgia's a different breed. Um, it's just one of those things to where, like, they're in rare form already early in the season. They look like national champions, and they haven't really st- skipped a beat, even with 15 people getting drafted. So uh, it looks like Georgia's just kind of well underway and kind of chucking along. So I think Oregon got misrepresented a little bit more. Now, Bo Nix will play to the strength of his opponent, basically. So Whoever he's uh, playing. Yeah, but this this was a game where I think I feel like Bo Nix just had a lot to prove. If that made sense, I, I felt like there was more chip on his so- shoulder this game, and I think he did good, especially a ranked BYU team that was proven to be really good, especially on the yeah. ground. Uh, so for Oregon to come in and kind of just smash one, so now they're going to move up ranking. So they were twenty fifth in the nation. Now they'll move up a little bit more. I uh, think they're fifteenth in the AP poll this morning. So they moved up quite a bit, like ten spots. So this proved to be one of those games where they're much needed if they're going to go bowling. I know they've they've only lost that. I believe it's just that one game against Georgia. So as long yeah. as they can hold on and kind of run the game, but they might still be in the playoff picture here as well. Um, uh, for those that again listen to Bet on C2C podcast, those that rolled out Bo Nix there in one of your DFS lineups, regardless, hopefully you didn't take a because you just don't know which wide receiver he's going to pick to at Oregon yet. But uh, as soon as we have an emergency wide receiver one, he's a great pickup to uh, throw out there if you're just looking for a super flex play. So he did really well. Uh, I was pretty stoked to see that uh, it paid dividends for those of us that were guessing that option this week. So, And, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about Bo Nix later as well as one of his receiving options that I want to talk about. But for now, we'll move on to number 13, Miami, going on the road to at number 24, Texas A&M. I said this on the tailgate show this past weekend – for one of these programs, this win was a luxury. Like Miami is a rising program. They didn't have to get this win if they wanted to continue to rise. I think if they played a close game, which they did, showed that they're relatively on the same level, then they will continue their momentum. But for one of these programs, Texas A&M, this win was a necessity. They were spiraling big time after that Appalachian State loss this past weekend. And there's definitely some drama going on in that locker room. There were, I believe, four different freshmen that did not play in this game against Miami because they violated team rules. Let me, like, take five seconds to think about what you might think that might have something to do with this past weekend. They are not happy over there with the Aggies. 
The a program had to win this game. They could not take two losses in the row this early on in the season. In a season where a lot of people were saying, like, hey, they got this awesome freshman class. They're going to uh, challenge Alabama in the West this year. And then they go completely fall on their face against Appalachian State. But they do get the W here. My thing is, I'm not sure that this 17-9 win over Miami is really the statement that A&M really needed to make in order to make it seem like everything is good in the hood. Last week was a fluke. This offense still looks really, really bad. And they still look like they're struggling at times. Devin A-Chain really saved the day here. He ran for uh, 88 yards on the ground. Anania Smith looked pretty good. He had 74 yards through the air. But again, those are the only two pieces that are really kind of working in this offense right here. And then Miami just kind of looked really bad. But I kind of credit Texas A&M's defense a little bit more for that. But even still, like, this wasn't the statement when I was kind of looking forward to Texas A&M. Again, this was going to always be a close game. But still, only being able to put 17 on the board eh, doesn't really kind of take away any worries about what this offense is. Brandon, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so uh, just like you were, uh, you're a Josh Pitt guy, just like I am. So late kick Josh, he was saying this was a must win for uh, A&M. And, you know, he's talking about how, like, Jimbo Fisher has, like, a bunch of the you know, the different pieces of paper, stuff like that. And he's like, it's not hard to run an offense and you shouldn't run an offense that's five years old. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree with that also. Um, it's just one of those things to where um, uh, Texas A&M, like in order to kind of keep the ball together, they really have to, their defense has always kind of bailed them out, if that makes sense. So I was expecting that A&M, like they just had a bad showing them. Appalachian State really just showed them up basically this past week. Um, so it was important for them to have a good defensive showing because a lot of their five stars are from the defensive side. There's only just a few of those pieces that we really like over on the skill position side there. Um, so it was important for them to kind of, and I, I kind of figured with, uh, I think Restrepo was out this week and he's kind of a Tyler Van Dyke's go-to guy. I found out that they were roommates and those are the type of the information you want to hold on to. Yep. So Restrepo was becoming more of the, uh, the wide receiver one slowly and steady, but him being out, it kind of went back to like Miami was just trying to figure out who they could get the ball to type situation. Yeah. And Texas A&M was in dire need of holding that, uh, you know, pulling back the reins. And they really did that. So I think, uh, you know, they got the job done. Am I still thinking that Texas A&M is out of the, uh, out of the woodshed yet? No, I, I still think they got a game or two to kind of prove that they're, they're back in the swing of things, if that makes sense. So, yeah. We'll talk about one last major game here. Again, there's other games that we could kind of touch on and everything. Some close calls from a, from a big team or two here. But let's talk about this Penn State on the road at Auburn game. I am very impressed with Penn State after this win. This was a legitimate statement win right here. Auburn, no matter who you are, no matter how bad that team is, that is a tough place to play for anybody, especially those who are not used to that level of environment play in and for Penn State to come in there and beat Auburn by 29 and let's be real they could have beaten them by more than that they beat them like a cupcake um I again I'm very very impressed with Penn State here I thought this would be a much closer game but man that running game really got going for Penn State it's starting to look like the running back game of old Nicholas Singleton is looking like the man we thought he could be and Kajon Allen looked good as well, the other true freshman there at Penn State. But man, Singleton just looks like he is on a different gear when he is out there currently. And to do it again against an Auburn team that still recruits at an SEC level along that D-line, that's still a very good D-line to go up against. Singleton feasted on that all day. And to me, 
this was the confirmation I needed to say that Singleton is somebody that I will be looking to start in my lineups. And I'm hoping he gets more than the 10 carries he got this past weekend. He is earning more and more carries, in my opinion, as the season goes along. And I hope that it comes true. But for right now, I loved what I saw out of Penn State this past weekend. Got to give a lot of credit to Nittany Lions. Brandon, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it was uh, awesome to see that that dynasty one-on-one pay off. Uh, just like we were all talking about how he was the cream of the crop. He really is paying dividends now and really showing why. I was telling you off camera, I just think it was really impressive to see him be able to kind of beat the defenders uh, coming off the line there at the edge and taking the edge going up against, you know, an SEC team. I know you're not a fan of Auburn. They're the rivals, but at the same time, they're uh, they're a respectful you know, team. It's one of those things where, like, you just can't run on Auburn 24-7 like that. You know, it's not, not a – a usual occasion. So for seeing Singleton to kind of come out of the gate, finally take over the reins and kind of get the ball going was good. I still think we see maybe one or two more games where they're going to probably try to put Kachon in there. It might be a little bit more of a thorn or science for maybe a week or two more, but then Singleton will probably finally emerge and kind of just take over. We're hoping so. I have no problem with Kachon. Kachon no, looks good. Not. Don't get me wrong. I think it's more again, and I, I try not to disrespect players here, but Kavon Lee having only two less carries than Singleton doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then Devin yeah. Ford also got involved in this game when he, uh, or when uh, Kayvon Lee, I believe, got injured during this game, was taken out for a good bit. So De- Devin Ford comes in. He almost gets the same number of carries as Singleton. I'm like, that can't continue to happen. Not Singleton needs to be earning more carries. And I'm sorry, some of these guys, I know they've been there a while. I know they've taken their lumps. But you gotta make you got to make a call at some point for the betterment of the team. It worked out for them against Auburn, but we'll see how it goes for them down the line for their teams. Another thing I want to bring up is that it's been enough time. I'm going to say that it does seem like Mitchell Tinsley is the wide receiver one, guys. Uh, it's just, <laughs> the targets, the targets are there. I love Parker Washington. I think he's a great player. I think he's going to be a good NFL player. But it seems like Tinsley has been brought in to become wide receiver one. And then as soon as we found out that he was roommates with Clifford and then all the offseason, I just you know, felt Brent, it. Brandon's Brent, Brent, Brent saying all this, but Parker Washington had more receptions and yards this past weekend. He did. He did, in fact. But I'm just saying, yeah. look at look I, at the I, sample I, size. Look at the full season. De- <laughs> Tinsley definitely looks more like the one than ever. And again, this was a running day for this it was. was definitely a running day. This was day a singleton day for sure. I, I just was really impressed by the Nittany Lions. I think that uh, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of their defense too. I think they just have a really good balanced offense and defense right now to where it's, it's paying dividends. So shout out to the Nittany Lions for starting to turn around from what we saw last season. That was that's been really impressive to see so far. Yeah, I fully agree. Any other? Let's me let me look through these games real quick. There are some fun games this weekend, like Western Kentucky at Indiana. That was a very fun game. Purdue at Syracuse, dude. That's gonna be one I go back and watch later because, like, yeah, that I need to watch I, the highlights. I I had that one on like the smaller screen next to where I had the Georgia, uh, next to where I had the Georgia South Carolina game, and like whenever I went to commercial and everything, I always flipped to that one. I had I had two others that were kind of going on at the same time, but that was the one I kept flipping back to because that was such an entertaining game. Pretty much from the second quarter on, that first quarter was scary because we saw, we almost saw Charlie Jones and Garrett Schrader go out to injury. Oh, Thankfully, yeah. both of them were okay, and both of them came back, and they put up the monster numbers that we needed them to. Garrett Schrader, you didn't get your passing over on prize picks, <laughs> but it's fine. Shout out to Stetson for getting his over on his fantasy points. Proud of you, buddy. Keep yeah. it going, Stetson. Absolutely. And I think that's a great segue over to my spiel. 
you guys know what my spiel is. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Make sure, and like I said, leave that comment right down there below. Love talking to you guys down there. You guys have been very talkative in the comments lately, and I really hope that when I do respond, you guys definitely appreciate it down there. And if you're watching this, or excuse me, not watching this, if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you're following us wherever you are listening, whether that be Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. And if you can, leave a five-star review. I always love those five-star reviews. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, Take five seconds to just write a quick little review there. It helps us out a ton. It helps us get those numbers up to let the apps know that we are a show that should be recommended to other people. Same thing with YouTube, the likes, the comments, all that engagement and stuff like that. That really helps us out in order to uh, keep the show going and to get us in front of people who might be interested. We've been growing a lot these past couple of weeks. It's been awesome. This this in-season audience has been great, Uh, but we want more. Again, I'm a, I'm a glutton, y'all. I'll, 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 take, I'll take all of you guys on. This is great. We are part of the Campus Kent and CFF team over here. It is myself, the person right there above me, Brandon Sanders. You also have Mr. Mate Nar- Nate Marquise and Chris Moxley. We got podcasts. We got articles. We got weekly CFF rankings. We're in season this uh, year right now. It is myself and Chris Moxley. And we might have something a little more coming from that. We'll see here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but for right now, Check out all of us. Uh, we are constantly writing articles, constantly bringing you podcasts. Brandon, you got the Bet on C2C podcast with Chris K and Ethan Sowers. Just tell everybody a little bit about that podcast if they haven't checked it out already. Sure. So each week uh, we kind of run the gamut of uh, prize picks. We're really big on props and just just certain things that you could take the uh, people you should pay attention to especially those as well uh shout out to mr eric froton he's gonna be our guest this week so we're excited to oh, have mr froton yeah that's awesome dude exactly so we're gonna be talking uh so we've been on a kick we had jared on we talked about the basics of dfs then we have moxie on to talk about betting this week we're having froton he'll have his own segment we're going to talk about how he uh looks at certain props and why he picks one over the other and stuff like that so we have his strategic brain so it's going to be amazing to have Froton on it's the battle of the hair between K and Froton so it's going to be a good time in CFF world uh so definitely check it out this week is worth it I believe we should be looking at uh Wednesday possibly Friday it's definitely one of those days it just all depends on when the slate drops so luckily I think we got some Thursday games so we might be getting it sooner than later so you should be seeing it Wednesday we're hoping cross your fingers for the best but check it out we do DFS we do prize pops and then like I said we do things like educational stuff where we're trying to get new players into getting into playing prize picks and playing uh draft kings and things like that where you just uh really just want people to enjoy college football to the ultimate degree so why not have something to where you can earn some bankroll and get a little cash while you set your cff lineups and you know do something like that it's more fun than mary it just makes the the whole weekend you know even better so definitely check it out yeah i agree 100 and i again when i went on there really appreciated brandon ethan and them taking the time to really kind of explained DFS to me. I kind of knew for the most part how it worked and everything like that, but I wasn't entirely sure. So I, if you don't know DFS and if you've ever been kind of interested in it, especially for college football and everything, absolutely go check out the episode that we just did two weeks ago. There's an entire section where I just, quite frankly, I just asked the questions that everybody else is a little too afraid to. I didn't, I didn't mind sounding like I was asking dumb questions, but if you guys have listened to me long enough, my motto is there are no dumb questions, just dumb answers. And so I just kept asking questions. I just said, hey, I don't know what this is. Can you explain this a little bit more to me? Or this is a thought I have. Can you explain this a bit more? Absolutely go check all that out. Again, we got lots of great content for you guys here at the Campus Canton family. So check all of it out. You can find pretty much all of it at campuscanton.com. All right, let's get to the other fun stuff we got going on here, Brandon. And we're going to move on to 
the freakout scale. So, for those of you who didn't listen last week or just haven't listened in a while and just need a refresher on what is going on here, what we have here is Nate Marquise's freakout scale. Nate, um, the past couple of years, especially in the early weeks, likes to put out a tweet that asks everybody to bring forward the players that they are worried about their value kind of either rest of season or like how they feel about it right now and he rates it on a scale of one to ten so one would be no don't worry about it start him with confidence don't worry about him whatsoever getting up to a three you're kind of monitoring him closely maybe you bench him here or there stuff like that uh five that's when you start looking for a backup plan you start thinking like alrighty, i'm thinking like I'm going to still ride with him, but got to start looking at that waiver wire, seeing like who's available out there. Might need to pick up somebody. It's like, all right, if he doesn't work out, I have somebody already on my roster. Seven is like bench them now. Just keep them on your bench. Like there's no reason they should be in your starting lineup. If you value them at all, they should just be a stash. And then 10, when you get up to that point, it's just drop that fool right away. So Brandon, we are going to attempt to do the magic that Nate Marquise typically can do. We got three players we're going to talk about here today. The first one up here hurts my soul so very much. He had a very good week in week, or a pretty decent week in week one, five receptions, 35 yards, and two touchdowns. But in the ensuing weeks, he has not recorded more than two receptions, has not had more than 16 yards. That is Mr. Jermaine Burton, wide receiver out of Alabama. This is mind-boggling to me he was set up for like a perfect scenario he was in my opinion probably outside of george pickens georgia's best receiver last year he left georgia specifically to go to what was considered a better offense and a better quarterback to throw him the ball he was walking into a situation a weaker wide receiver room in my opinion where he could easily start easily take over one of the outside roles for them he he is starting in the z slot that he was at at georgia and then here we are three games in he has not even hit 100 yards on the season and we're a fourth of the way through the season this i want to believe but man he's had opportunities here again week one was fine he had two touchdowns that's great but not impressive since then so i'm honestly it hurts my soul a little bit but like i'm gonna move him up i put this at an eight i'm not saying drop him yet but he's definitely on my bench until he can prove that he can have another game or i'll be real heck an even better game than he had on week one because again we can't rely on touchdowns every week just give me a 50 plus yard game from me for me mr burton so brandon i'm at an eight where are you kind of feeling this at yeah, I'm kind of with you. Uh, just by having only, what, three receptions? That's two receptions less out of his game one that he even had. So even last week, I was like, ooh, two receptions. I probably should look for a backup plan just in case. So last week, I was already at a five. I'm at a seven now where you're not dropping them. You're definitely not going to replace them. You should bench them until further notice and maybe looking for someone that you could play right away that's having a better production, whether that's a G5 player or just someone that you can go ahead and stick in the lineup to help you get some Ws because you need to get to the to the championship. I, I keep you know having to remind myself this is CFF, but we're talking about instead of DFS. So I'm not looking at the differences and the gambit of different wide receivers. I'm just looking at it 
at my rosters, what I usually do, especially in things like dynasty or redraft, like you gotta, you gotta get those W's. So for me, it's seven. You've just mentioned now and just hope that he comes back alive, but you certainly aren't going to drop him because like we were talking about, and we'll talk about the waiver wire segment. You just don't want to have a bad drop and some picks him up and then he just gets, gets it together, you know, in the yeah. coming weeks. So definitely want to bench him for right now. So I got him at a seven. Yeah, just definitely not a good situation overall for Burton. Again, everything seemed lined up for him to just absolutely go off this year. And it's not just him. The entire Bama wide receiver room right now is just struggling mightily right now. I don't think this is something we have seen from Bama in quite some years. Now, 63-7 to win over Yoel Monroe, did it really seem to matter? No, but we saw just two weeks ago, in, with or just a week ago in te- Texas, when they couldn't get open, that offense was sputtering, and it almost came back to bite them. Now, Bryce Young did his Heisman, Heisman stuff. He led him back on the final drive, but even still, this could be a problem for this could be a really big problem for Alabama down the line. So, yeah, I was just expecting, especially at ULM, you think you'd have a breakout game. Yeah, just just or just one, one reception. I was like, come on, man. I was what? just worried. One one long one long pass too would be, would have been nice, but no, yeah. sixteen yards. Anyway, let's go on to our next player here that we're going to rank on the freakout scale. First, let me move the slider down. There we go. All right, let's go on to our next player here. Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. Week one, it felt like just an absolute jubilee for any Anthony Richardson fan out there. Three touchdowns on the ground, over 100 yards rushing led his team in a comeback victory over Utah. At at that point, a top 10 squad in Utah. And then UK came and went. Kentucky came into Florida, really beat Florida by, or they beat him by 10 points. Anthony Richardson just did not look good on the day. And he had some really bad interceptions in that game. And we're all sitting there thinking like, okay, Kentucky's a really good team. It's a rivalry game. Think weird things happen in that. He's got to bounce back against uh, South Florida, who he absolutely tore apart as a backup option for Florida just last year. And then he goes out and lays an absolute egg. 10 for 18, 112 yards passing, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and then rushing on the ground, only seven attempts for 24 yards and never found the end zone this is alarming quite frankly this is somebody that i am not starting with confidence ever even in good matchups because again this past week was the kind of week that he should have just gone absolutely ham he is the most the most athletic person on that field and just nothing nothing so i am going to say Oops, I grabbed the wrong thing there. I'm going to try this again. There we go. I'm going to say a six. For all my caterwauling there, I'm going to say a six. Because I don't think it is an automatic bench. If you're desperate, if he is really, like, you think you are just got to shoot for the upside, there you go. Anthony Richardson, he's got the upside. We know that. But he's got, we all know now, he has some serious downside. There are some serious problems going on. Maybe it's the offense. Maybe it's Anthony Richardson just not progressing here. But for the most part, he's got to ride your bench unless you're just absolutely desperate. You're going up against maybe a really good team, and you're just like, my my safer quarterback, 20, 22-point quarterback, is not going to win me this week. I need a guy that 
out of nowhere can hit 40. I got to put Anthony Richardson in. But, like, for now, like, this is, this is alarming to me. That was, that was a real wake-up call for me. When I just watched – I didn't play him anywhere, but I watched him, the pe- like, some of the other people in my leagues, and I'm like, all right, Anthony Richardson is going to come in now. They're gonna, he's about to win some people some weeks and just nothing. So, Brandon, where are you at on Anthony Richardson? I'm at a six. Where are you? I'm a tad higher. I'm at a seven, so I am benching Anthony Richardson. Look, there's no, no beef to my boy Felix. I think, you know, he, he really was an Anthony Richardson guy. But I'm, I'm concerned both C2C and CFF. I mean, yes, this is a CFF show, but there are 132 quarterbacks, and there's at least 30 I can name off the top of my hands or my head right now that would I'd rather play over Anthony Richardson right now. So it's just one of those things where, like, I'm with you. Like, I wouldn't necessarily uh, bench him the entire time. I'd look at the matchup. But when 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 people come at us with the start sick questions, like, would for like so for right for like now on, I would if you're saying, for example, Aiden O'Connell versus Anthony Richardson, I'm going to tell you Aiden O'Connell like oh, nine easily. out of ten times, just because Aiden O'Connell will drop you thirty plus points, and it really doesn't seem that a lot of defenses are stopping O'Connell, especially with Chuck Sizzle in the game. Yeah. So for me, like that's a no brainer. But there are, you know, a Rich can get it done with his legs. It's just a matter of. He's holding the ball too long, and that's what's scaring me. He's taking sack after sack, and that is alarming. Uh, he needs to get it out a little bit faster. I get it. He has, you know, limited optional weapons. I, I know there's some some talented guys on the team. We just haven't seen anyone want to emerge as like the top dog there yet. So for him, I know he's just trying to get out to people that he can. He can get it done with his legs. He showed it when he played, uh, you know, when he played his first game there. But ever since, he's just uh, it just seems off. Like the whole Florida team seems a bit off, and. Richardson's going to struggle because of that. So until they, and this was their get right game. This was the South Florida game that everyone, yep. you know, the battle of Florida, this was Florida's chance to just smash on a G five team and they barely came out alive. So yep. that's like you said, it's super alarming. So I'm benching until further notice and I'm going to look for other options. Definitely. Uh, if you got a guy like O'Connell, Drake may, all those guys that are really just destroying, you know, people out there right now, I'd play them regardless of matchup over Anthony Richardson, who may have a decent matchup for right now. So definitely, definitely say bench them. Yeah. I'm fully with you. Let's hit up our last guy here. Uh, there goes the graphic. And he's back. And nope, it's just nope. not there. Anyway, uh, we're just going to chill out on Jermaine Burton here. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about Corey Kiner, running back out of Cincinnati. And this is one of those things where I think I'm going to be pretty high here. Because Corey Kiner, we loved the kind of marriage between him and Cincinnati. They were really looking for their RB1. He was a guy coming out of LSU. He's from Cincinnati. We all thought he was a pretty good running back at LSU already. Coming over to a team that loves to give one guy the majority of carries. But it's like week one, he had 12 carries against Arkansas. It looked like like out of nowhere, he he had the most carries. And we're like, already, because we thought there was a possibility that like, you know, they would give the seniority guys at first. Maybe they would uh, kind of let him ease him in because he came in during the fall, didn't have as many reps. That's fine, all that good jazz. But then again, week one, he had the most carries for Ar- or for Cincinnati against Arkansas. And we're like, okay, this is it. Wheels up, he'll, e- he'll get eased in, but eventually he'll take over as the number one guy. Then followed up, seven carries against Kennesaw. Okay, yeah, we're not as worried. You know, it's an FCS opponent. They, you know, like take guys out early, right? And then Miami of Ohio, another G5 team comes to town, and he not only has only seven carries for 32 yards and a touchdown, Charles McClellan really took over the majority of snaps for Cincinnati's running back room there. 
I'm not recommending a Charles McClellan yet on on waiver wires, but don't be surprised if he's there next week if he can repeat like he did this last week. But man, I I'm at a nine on Corey Kiner. Like I'm not ready to like if if it's a deeper league. I don't think you need to drop him quite yet, but if you if you have like less than ten bench spots for your team, Corey Kiner does not need to be taking up one of them. You can easily find and replace a guy that you know is going to get you fifteen to twenty carries any given week versus Kiner, where it's like it's just very so up and down with him. I'm at a nine. I'm again there there are some cases where I think it's okay to hold on to him again, Dynasty, obviously, but like in deeper redrafts, I think there's some cases where it's kind of okay to be like you know, I'll hold on to him, but for now, I don't really see many reasons for a shallower league. So, Brandon, where where, where are you on Kiner? I'm exactly with you. I'm at I'm at a nine. Uh, if it's redrafted, I'd even say ten. Like you don't have enough spots. It's I don't want to deal with the headache of Cincinnati, especially in that backfield right now. I'd rather yep. put them all on the watch list, wait and see for a couple of weeks, and then try to put it in the bid or the waiver that you need to put in for. So for me, like I'd rather just find a running back that's doing well. Like I said. Uh, action is approaching so it's time to bust out all the sweet weapons and there's a lot of guys on that waiver wire right now that are looking nice and juicy with these matchups uh one we'll talk about here soon uh, that wears some green so that's definitely uh it's definitely worth uh you know i i wouldn't deal with them in redraft and dynasty you, you kind of want to hold on to them just because you don't want to have a bad drop like we're talking about so uh i would say let's put it in the middle at nine uh, so then we cover both redraft and dynasty so i'm, I'm exactly with you with that i'm i just don't want to deal with kind of right now so yeah Alrighty, that ends our free cast scale. We're only going to do three players this week. Again, we might do more next week. Uh, but again, I, there's really only three that kind of stuck out like a sore thumb to me that we hadn't already really talked about. I thought about talking about Xavier Worthy today because uh, he had a relatively disappointing day this past week. But at the same time, like we talked about him last week, my thoughts haven't really changed that much on him. Was it disappointing this week? Sure, but... He- He's going to get his due. Don't worry, guys. There's going to be some worthy explosion games coming down the line, uh, especially, hopefully, when Quinn Ewers gets back and is fully healthy. So, with that being said, let's get on to the final part of our show here today, the part that you guys pretty much want to hear about the most, and that is going to be the waiver wire. So, we're going to start off with the quarterbacks here. We We got five quarterbacks here. We got almost a full slate today of guys to talk about. Um... We have five quarterbacks, five running backs, because, Brandon, you brought one up right before the show that I do think is kind of worth talking about. I don't have a graphic for him, but we'll definitely talk about him at length. And then we have four wide receivers to talk about and uh, three tight ends. So almost a full slate of waivers for you guys to pick up to here today. But before we get too far into it, I do want to point out that, and this is a shout-out to ATL Dan on this one, because he kind of put it into words that I couldn't really, because like when I was doing waiver research this morning, like I was looking around a lot of the guys and like there wasn't a ton of guys that I was truly like in love with recommending to you. Now, again, there's some good ones and I'm going to tell you about them here today, but I do think this is one of the weeks, especially early on in this season. This is the kind of week where not only do you watch who do your teammate or who do your league mates pick up? you really need to watch who they drop as well. Because there's going to be some people who are frustrated with some really, really good players because they haven't performed recently. And then they're going to make a mistake of dropping them too early. And you're going to be the smart one. You're going to sit there and say, hey, I'm going to pick him up because he's going to be great down the line. Specifically, Maction players. Watch out for some Maction players getting dropped this week. Guys like Quentin Johnson. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if 
if some people dropped Xavier Worthy, a guy like that, because he hasn't gotten the touchdown yet, like there's going to be people who do that. And so like keep an eye out for that. That's that's my one main piece of advice for this week is really, really keep an eye on who your other teammates are dropping. So with that being said, we got a lot of good options for the waiver wire this week, so let's get straight into it. And first, we're going to start off with Mr. Davis Brin, Brin Sanity himself, quarterback out of Tulsa, currently rostered at 27% on, uh, I almost said Rotten Tomatoes, good lord, I've been, I've been watching too nice. many movies recently, 27% roster ship on fan tracks. Uh, shout out, by the way, to Andrew Katz for uh, being on Davis Brin probably earlier than any of us, except he was probably a year too early, but even still... <laughs> Brin Sanity is here. Davis Brin leads the country in passing yards currently. He is at 1,206 passing yards on the season. He's got 11 touchdowns. He has not had a game with less than three touchdowns. He has a solid crop of wide receivers led by Keelan Stokes and Juan Carlos Santana. Tulsa's offense currently is very, very impressive. And one of those things that I don't think enough of us are really talking about before this season, it looks like they finally have the offensive system they've been wanting to do going here. Uh, now, granted, they feasted on some, I would say, lesser competition. They have faced Wyoming. They have faced NIU. They have faced um, Jacksonville State. So nothing too much to write home about. But their defense isn't good either. So they're going to be forced into a shootout week after week. Bryn, to me, is the most obvious pickup of any of the quarterbacks for this week. He has not had a game where he has passed uh, passed less than 32 attempts. And in shootouts, like the game against uh, Wyoming, he had 52 pass attempts. Like This is a guy that could easily, easily have the volume you need every given week. I like him a lot this week. So, Brandon, what are your thoughts on Davis Brin? I was really impressed by Brin, especially. I mean, it was a tough loss, but Wyoming, they took him to two overtimes. So they really uh, didn't shy away from throwing on Wyoming, which, you know, Wyoming's nothing to right home about but at the same time like you know coming from you know Tulsa versus Wyoming you expect it to be a tougher matchup so uh we'll shout out to the uh, CFF on Instagram guys they did one where we, both me and Jerry got a chance to be on their uh their waiver wire one pickup graphic yep. and so I chose Davis Brent at six percent at the time so I'm glad to see that people are starting to pay attention to the Tulsa offense I just I was super impressed I like the way that uh Dave Brent uh Davis Brent was slinging the ball to like I said both Stokes and my favorite pickup, Juan Carlos Santana, JC. Shout out to you, my friend, for uh, getting me a couple of W's this week in fantasy. So thank you, sir. Uh, but it's all thanks to Davis Brin. I really like what happened. And here's here we are talking about Max starting up in a week or two. Like, this is going to get good real fast. Oh, Tulsa's not the Mac, but. No, but I mean, it's, points it's made. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's lower G5 in competition. And so am I saying he's going to be a zappy? No, but the way that he's putting up numbers is very impressive. And I would say that he might lead the country um, maybe all the way up to the end, if not maybe be surpassed maybe by the last couple of weeks or so. But I think he's going to be way up there, and he's definitely worth the pickup if you haven't already. Uh, the schedule is just going to get nicer here coming up soon. So that's where I think he's definitely worth a grab, especially if you have a struggling quarterback uh, you know, that you're just having a hard time with and you're just wanting to bench. He would be a good pickup to have. I agree 100%, and I'm looking at it right now. Through three weeks, Davis Brin is the is the quarterback five of CFF okay. this year. And he has had finishes of QB 30 week one, QB 16 week two, and QB 14 week three. That is consistency out the wazoo. That is what you want in and out of your lineup any given week. Absolutely worth picking him up. And again, he there aren't a lot of guys 
for this week's group of waiver wire pickups that I would say are like instant inserts into your starting lineup. Bryn might be one of them. And I, w- I would say he has probably the best chance, especially out of the quarterbacks here, of being that guy. So let's move on to our next quarterback here. The most phallic name in all of college football, uh, Mr. Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. This, he is uh, rostered on 29% of rosters. We all knew that there was a possibility that this Washington passing game could look really, really good. And because of Kalen DeBoer coming in, that was a, it looks like that was a great hire. He, brought, he has had connect, or Penix has had connection with uh, DeBoer back during his time at Indiana. And a lot of us were a little skeptical because we were like, well, Penix didn't look good the last time we saw him. He's been hampered by injuries. Can he run this offense like DeBoer really wants him to here at Washington, especially when you have a five-star and Sam Heward sitting on the bench? Is he really going to beat out Sam Heward? It looks like he has, and it looks like that was for good reason. In both of the games where Penix played all four quarters, he has passed for an average of 39.5 pass attempts in each of those games, so hitting nearly 40, and in both of those games, threw for four touchdowns. In, in those two games, he had a finish of QB 22 and QB 13, and he is currently sitting as a QB 9 on the year. Do I think this that stays up completely throughout the year? Probably not. The competition he has faced so far in terms of passing hasn't been great. Kent State has always had a bad defense. At Portland State, it's a FCS program. What are you going to do there? And then Michigan State... Good win for Washington, don't get me wrong, but they have been known for, or last year they had the worst passing defense in the entire country. It looks like they're going to have that relatively here again. So, do I think this is going to continue all the way down? No, but Penix has proven enough to me to be a full-on pickup for CFF moving forward. Brandon, what are your thoughts on Mr. Penix? I am, uh, I'm impressed with Mr. Penix for, from this far. Same thing. He has the stigma of when is the injury going to happen? When is the letdown going to occur? Uh, it's hard to let that go. I'll, I'll be you know, totally honest. Uh, I still have my concerns, but at the same time, he's proven a lot of us wrong. So shout out to Felix for the right uh, selection with this one. He was the Michael Penix Jr. guy from the start. Yes, it's C2C, but hey, uh, you have to win your college side there. So this you know, factors into CFF. Uh, also shout out to Colin for Jalen McMillan. He was the guy that touted him all this time. I took his advice, took him in redraft and he, him and like I said, Juan Carlos Santana has been absolutely crushing for me there in redraft. So, uh, I've been loving, uh, what this offense span will do. I love the DeBoer hire. I just think it went well. I think we were hoping before the injury that Jake Hainer was going to come over, but that fact, I think we're starting to see the Penix and DeBoer, uh, connection here. We're starting to see the trust, um, kind of come into play and he's letting Penix kind of run this offense that Penix, I guess, was accustomed to or had similarity or familiarity with there in Indiana. So I think uh, I think this is a good pickup. Will I play him every week? No, it'll be matchup dependent, I'll be honest with you. But seeing him against Michigan State kind of gave me hope that maybe he might you know, still produce even with a tougher matchup possibly in the future. But uh, I'd say for now, I wouldn't stick him in full time in your lineup, but he's definitely a guy to uh, to put on the bench and play in the right matchups for sure. Yeah, fully agree. And one thing I want to point out here, because we're talking about Washington, one name you will not hear me talk about here today, despite the fact they had an awesome week this past week, is wide receiver Jalen Polk. I think it is a mistake for people to go out and try to pick him up right now. 
He has not shown to be a consistent wide receiver for Washington yet. If he goes out next week and performs well again, then I'll probably consider him. But I think a lot of people would make a big mistake assuming that that is going to be a role for him week in, week out when he has had no more than three receptions in a game before this past week. Jalen McMillan's still the guy. If he is available in any of your leagues, he is the guy to pick up. Who's the number two behind him? We'll find out. Maybe it is Polk. Maybe it's a Dunze. Maybe it's Jackson. We'll figure all that out right now. But I think if you go out there expecting Polk to perform like he did this past week again anytime soon, I think you're making a mistake. I could be proven wrong next week. But for right now, he's not a priority waiver in my opinion. Anyway, let's move on to the next quarterback here. Let's go to Kansas. Kansas. A CFF player in Kansas? Yes. Yep. Not a running back? What? Yeah. Jalen Daniels, quarterback out of Kansas, rostered on 11% of rosters for CFF. Kansas looks improved this year, especially in the fact that they look... Actually, I'm, I'm underselling Kansas right now. They're 3-0. and Y'all, Kansas is 3-0. and And by the way, their schedule... Let me look it up real quick. If I remember correctly, their schedule over the next... Uh, hold on, good lord. I, I know Kansas is not a good team, but like ESPN, come on, give me, give me better <laughs> options here. Their next schedule, Duke, Iowa State, TCU. They can win any of those games based on what yep. I've seen so far. And they're able to keep themselves in those games. There is a crazy possibility that we could see a bowl-eligible Kansas team this year. And they're good enough to upset some a lot a lot of different teams. So I just want to throw that out there. Congratulations to the Jayhawks and the Jayhawk fans out there. So you guys are on a roll so far. But let's talk about Jalen Daniels. He is a pickup for CFF for me this week because last two games especially, he has thrown for three touchdowns and has rushed for over 85 yards in both games. And in this past game, ran for two touchdowns. That is the kind of guy that you want in CFF. The, the kind of guy who can explode any given week, and especially if they're in the Big 12, where it's shootout galore a lot of times, and especially with the way Kansas is playing, they're going to be involved in a lot of shootouts. I love pick, the idea of picking up Jalen Daniels off of a waiver wire this week. Brandon, what do you think about Mr. Daniels? Love me some Jalen Daniels. Uh, he actually was mentioned on the Beto CTC podcast when we were talking about lineups. Got the wrong wide receiver wrong. I was hoping for some skin interaction, so... But the good thing is when you're picking up the quarterback for this team, you don't have to worry about the wide receivers because you're literally just looking for production. You're looking at a dual-threat quarterback, and it's about time that Kansas is more than just the basketball school. I understand coming from a, a team as well that has been favoring more national championships in basketball than in football. But at the same time, like it's just good to see Kansas you know, be 3-0. and And not to mention, they've already beaten Houston. They've beaten West Virginia. Those are two reputable teams. They might be the best teams this year, but they're still representable teams. It's not just FCS opponents that Kansas are smashing anymore. They're actually getting the job done. Uh, I think it'll be a great shootout against Duke. Duke's well improved, and that's hard for me to say, but it is very true. <laughs> Riley Leonard is really good, uh, and I like Calhoun this year. They're doing really good there in uh, in, in Durham, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. I'll, you know, I'll have some more 
more hopes and dreams of Jalen Daniels doing work against Duke. I just needed to get him out of the ACC. But at the same time, like, this is a great pickup. This is a dual threat. This is a guy that could get it done. He has a lot of weapons. It's not just Devin Neal anymore, anybody, guys. Like, it's, it's, it's Jalen Daniels is here to stay. Um, and I think he was a great start. I like Bean, but I like Daniels' high potential. So his, his ceiling is much higher than the floor. So I definitely like the Jalen Daniels pick at 11%. Yeah, that's criminally. He's another one like Daniels and probably Brent are the two like I'd be most like would want to have immediately in my lineup as far as uh, line, you know, starting them or just having them ready to go in case I have a, a bad mismatch with one of my other top quarterbacks. So, yeah, let's move on from one quarter, dual threat quarterback to another here. Let's talk about Caden Salter, quarterback at a Liberty rostered on 12 percent of rosters throughout fan tracks. He is the kind of guy where you watch him play and you start having flashbacks back to Malik Willis in this offense for Hugh Freeze. We started off the year with Charlie Brewer. That ended quicker than it began with him getting injured almost immediately. Jonathan Bennett comes in, and Jonathan Bennett, as much as I kind of liked him, he's the definition of just a backup quarterback. He's not going to win you any games. You're hoping he doesn't lose you any games, but you can't have that throughout the entire season. So what do you do? You throw out a guy like Caden Salter, and you say, screw it. We're just going to put him out there, and we're going to find a way to see if we can win. And so far, it is working out well for Liberty. They are 2-1 and one on the year. They just went to Wake Forest and lost the game by one. Cannon Salter had an absolutely incredible game there. 256 yards through the air, two touchdowns, and then also had 72 yards and a touchdown on the ground. In the games where, in all three games where Salter has seen extensive time, he has not rushed for less than 65 yards. That is a great floor to have with your QB any given week. Just add their passing on top of that. I think as soon as Salter gets really comfortable with this offense going down the season and everything like that, it's Liberty. They're not playing a super difficult schedule for the most part. They This could end up being a very, very good play. We, again, we've all seen what Malik Willis can do in this system. Am I saying Salter is Malik Willis? No, but he's the kind of quarterback you want in this system. He is the guy that we've been the kind of guy we've been rooting to win this job throughout the offseason. And to me, he's very cheap right now. I bet he flies under the radar in a lot of leagues right now. So, Brandon, what are your thoughts on Mr. Salter? So I just, I just have to say, when you said the Malik Willis thing, I kind of chuckled because I was turning it in. And at the time, Wake Forest was leading pretty substantially. So I only got to watch maybe like 10 minutes or so. Uh, in Dynasty, I had a previous wide receiver. He's banged up. So I was looking to see who the new wide receiver one was, which we'll talk about that guy here pretty soon. But I noticed number seven. And I was just like, wait a second. Malik's not playing, is he? And I was like, oh, wait, that's that's actually Salter. I was like, that's the guy That's the guy that we were hoping was going to win the job to begin with, you know, all in the offseason. So, one, it was cool to be, you know, that we had the eyes and the understanding of this offense to, you know, all know as like a group of, you know, uh, us at CGC, we're like, Salter's the guy to run the run the show. It's just, he has the higher upside. He's dual threat. Love it. But he does favor Malik Willis, especially when his like, uh, I wouldn't say the, uh, the screw mentality, but more like, hey, I'm going to air this out or I'm going to run it myself and I'm going to get the job done one way or the other. So definitely impressed with Salter when I saw, especially with the almost comeback and win against Wake Forest, who's a team where, you know, 
They're a little bit tougher on defense when it comes against Liberty, not so much against the rest of the ACC and stuff like that. But uh, if you could get wake up in a, in a shootout, you have a possible chance to beat them. You just have to beat out the weapons. And they almost got the job done. So shout out to Salter. I think he, uh, with 12%, I don't think this is going to change much because people are going to be after Bryn probably a lot. And they're going to probably be after Daniels the second most. So uh, Salter might slide under the radar and you might be able to pick him even next week for a lower percentage too. So I want to point out his upcoming schedule. Are you ready for this, Brandon? I'm ready. Next four weeks, there's a buy in there. Actually, there isn't a buy mixed in there. So, okay. Next four weeks, you ready for this? Yep. Akron, Old Dominion. Yes. UMass, Gardner Webb. Oh, that's perfect. Then you have two. You have a two week period. Actually, it's a three week period because they have a buy. But they go to BYU. Ooh. They get Arkansas off a of buy. So I'm probably not starting him in either one of those games. Maybe the BYU game, depending on how good they look down the stretch. But right. Here's their finishing schedule. UConn, Virginia Tech, New Mexico State. Oh, man. Guys. That's a good schedule. This is a very good investment, in my opinion. So, And you know why? Quick, because... quick shout-out to Andrew Katz, by the way, because he was also yeah. pretty – he, he kind of was like – he, about two weeks ago, said that Salter should have been somebody that people should have been picking up in their league. So shout-out to him. He's a perfect guy to uh, – yeah, he's a perfect guy to start, especially if you're in the playoffs – especially in CFF playoffs. Holy cow. This is the guy to throw in your lineup just because of the schedule that he has. That's perfect. Exactly. All right. Let's keep moving here. We've got one more quarterback to talk about, and we got to keep it moving because we are going to run long if we keep talking as long as we are. Anyway, Bo Nix, quarterback out of Oregon. Yes, I am recommending Bo Nix to you guys. Uh, he has had, except for the game against Georgia, he has hit 30-plus fantasy points so far. He is very much involved in this offense. He is looking more comfortable he is commanding of the offense just a little bit more. In the last two weeks, he has accounted for five touchdowns in both games. Uh, last game, he had two through the air and three on the ground. The game before, he had five through the air. Do I expect him to keep that up every single week in and week out? Probably not, but as we discussed before, Oregon's a better team than we're giving them credit for. I think Bo Nix has the weapons around him that when he is not playing a team like Georgia, he is going to be able to be more successful than he ever really was at Auburn. And so I think he's worth a pickup. Do I think he's a start every week in, week out? No, but I, I, I like where he's at right now, and I kind of like where he's headed. So, Brandon, real quick on Bo Nix, what are you thinking here? Yeah, uh, he's definitely worth the pickup, and he is a matchup-by-matchup start for sure. Uh, It's just one of those things where when he's on his game, he's going to throw you those five touchdowns. He's going to give you well over a 30-burger. So he's worth keeping, if anything, just to keep your opponents from having him, basically, so then they can start against you. So it could be a strategy there for you. But Bo Nix is definitely a guy that you should at least have rostered. He should just be sitting on the waivers at 33%. That's kind of of a no-go. You should pick him up at least. Yeah. All right, I'm going to throw out some honorable mentions at quarterback. Uh, Kyle Van Trees, I'm trying not to list the same guys week in and week out, but for honorable mentions, I will mention guys we talked about before who are still under 40%. Kyle Van Trees for Georgia Southern, not a great week this past week because he went up against a good defense in UAB, but they are still throwing the ball all over the place down there at Georgia Southern. He is a volume play, and when he gets against defenses that can actually allow him to score, unlike UAB, he is going to be fantastic for you. And then the other one, we talked about it earlier, Stetson Bennett, quarterback out of Georgia. I really think, y'all, he is somebody that you got to keep an eye on at this point. Like, if Georgia keeps performing, executing at this high of a level with their offense, it doesn't matter what you think about Stetson Bennett or his talent level, he's going to score touchdowns week in and week out, especially now that they're letting him run along the goal line now. That's huge for Stetson Bennett's value. So definitely check those two guys out as well. Let's move on to our running backs here. 
Top two guys I really like. The other ones I'm a little bit worried about, but we'll definitely get to that here in a bit. First things first. Aiden Robbins, running back at a UNLV. We mentioned him after week zero, and we wanted to see what he did after, or yeah, after week zero. We wanted to see what he did after that. Went up against Cal, 14 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown. All right, cool. That's that's a that's a pretty good day. That's consistency right there. All right, he's going up against UNT. What's he going to do here? 29 carries, 227 yards, and three touchdowns, guys. You cannot let this man stay on the waiver wire any longer. This mm. is somebody who, when UNLV gets into a game like this, they're going to rely on Robbins. There's a lot of questions about him only getting 10 carries in that first game. Like, oh, is he really going to be the guy if he only got 10 carries against Idaho State? We got our answer. They went up against UNT. They rode this man into the ground, and he is going to be the UNLV running back that we want to have. He is going to, like, I would not be surprised if he is a top 15 running back by the end of the year. I am fully bought in with Aiden Robbins right now for UNLV. Absolutely go pick him up again. Only 13% rostered in fan tracks. This is a crime that needs to be fixed. Brandon, what are your thoughts on Robbins? He's my week zero hero. He's the guy that we put on our backs for DFS and won us some money. I love Aiden Robbins. Uh, He's the workhorse. He's the RB1. There's no doubt about it with jumping up from 14 to 29 carries in one game is showing you a lot. That's showing you that the Rebels trust him, and you should have him. And uh, the better matchups he has, the better he's going to perform. So definitely need to have Robbins on the roster for sure. Yeah. Again, not really much else to say. This is one of those guys where you grab him, and probably a little bit matchup-based because, again, it's a G5 team. So if they're going up against a Power 5 team, probably don't want that. But any G5 team, probably, you're going to start him, and you're going you're gonna to be okay with him. And you're going you're gonna to love having him. Let's move on to our second guy here. Let's talk about... Another Georgia Southern piece here. We've talked about their wide receivers before. We've talked about their quarterbacks here, but their running back, Jalen White, out of Georgia Southern, 8% rostered on fan tracks. He hasn't really had the volume that we love to see. So, like, he has at most had 17 carries. In the first game against Morgan State, he had 10 carries. You don't love that. But the thing that keeps sticking out to me is that they are finding ways to get this man into the end zone. All three games so far, he has had two touchdowns. Georgia Southern is going to score touchdowns in pretty much every one of their games. We talked about this already. The fact that they are going to find ways to move the ball. This offense is really good for Georgia Southern this year. They got a lot of good weapons, and Jalen White is absolutely one of them. And whenever they get down near the goal line, they're going to give it to him. They're going to trust him to get it into the end zone. Again, like I said, don't love the volume. But sometimes you just got to grab guys that are going to score touchdowns. You're going to grab guys that they're going to find ways to get them into the end zone. And so White is one of them. Brandon, what are your thoughts on Jalen White? So Jalen White, is uh, he's definitely uh, proven to be good, especially around when they do the goal lines and uh, doing the actual carries. He's given them touchdowns. So he's gotten, what, two touchdowns, uh, three touchdowns? Yeah, six touchdowns. touchdowns. Two in each game, right? So. So that's where the points are coming from, and that's great. Um, He's going over at least 10 carries, so at least he's – you know, he's got enough to be productive, uh, but where it's at is where he blew up, especially as UAB, which is a tougher team to go 14 carries for over 116 yards and two touchdowns. That's impressive enough for me to do it. He was one of the guys that I do have a waiver bid on this week. So he's one of those just like Robbins, where it's like I have no doubts in my mind, uh, especially against the, the rest of the G5. He's going to be really, really good, especially in Sunbelt, Funbelt. That's going to yeah. be fun to watch. Um, so definitely want to have Jalen White. Uh, he's one of those guys that I was happy to have or happy to want to have just because I saw uh, potential, especially with the future freshman podcast, but the freshman that we chose 
he's not going to get any time soon because these guys are absolutely balling out. Yep. So, I mean, I'd rather have Jalen White right now, who's been the proven commodity, especially if he's going to be near the goal line, do touch, two touchdowns a game. So 8% is criminal. I think he needs to be a guy that you put a waiver on this week for sure. Yeah. Let's keep it moving here. Let's talk about Demi Sumo, Mr. Slimy Shark, running back out of NC State, rostered on only 3% of leagues right now for fan tracks. This one is a big one. This is a, this is going to be a sneaky play because, yes, he had a big week this last week, uh, especially in the receiving game. So he had this past week 14 carries for 54 yards and a touchdown, but he also had four receptions for 93 yards and a touchdown. So obviously a very big week already for him, two touchdowns and everything. He's going to be on some people's radar, but the thing that we need to point out here, and I appreciate Nate Marquise texting me right before we came on here and just letting me know about this. Jordan Houston left in the fourth quarter with a concussion in this past week against Texas Tech. He and uh, Sumo were already splitting kind of 50-50 with the carries. But if he has a concussion, they might hold him out next week because they're going up against UConn next week. And they might just hold him out, don't want to risk anything with him or anything like that. So it could be all Sumo next week against UConn. This could be a massive pickup for you, even if it's for just one week. This could be a massive pickup, and we've already seen what Demi Sumo can do with just 18 touches. Imagine when he's the main guy and he's getting upwards of 25, not carries, but just 25 touches per game. This could be a really big one. I'm a little scared about when uh, Houston does come back, but even so, just for now, until we get more confirmation about what's going to happen there, I love Sumo going forward for right now. So, Brandon, what do you think? Yep. Uh, if anything, he is definitely a great spot start, especially this coming week for sure. Um, NC State's just proven to have a two-back system. They've been doing that for quite a while now. But with one of their backs out of the way, even though you might see the, the freshman you know, next week a little bit, Demi Sumo is the guy that you want to have, uh, especially for just receiving purposes and things like that. Uh, you know, I, I had a chance during the offseason, during the Future Freshman Podcast, to talk to Corey Smith, who's the one of the beat writers there at uh, – you know, for 24-7 for the Wolfpack, and he brought up Sumo as a guy that we need to look out for. He runs angry. He passes or he catches quite well like a receiver. So he definitely is one of those uh, one of those running backs where he can line up on the, on the line or he can just run at you as hard as he can go and there's no stopping him. So love Sumo for this one. He also, uh, depending on what we see from Houston, he might be able to play him in a few games, especially, uh, you know, against eventually they're going to have to play the Tar Heels. That's a good one to go up against because of the, the defense that North Carolina has. So there's going to be cases where you want to play Demi Sumo, especially just for his uh, – targeting and the passing and stuff like that, let alone what he's capable of doing in the run game. So definitely worth it for this week. And then it's probably stashing him. Uh, it's going to be hard to keep him probably on the roster all year long, just because there's a lot of pickups and stuff to come. But if you can hold on to him long enough, he'd definitely be a guy that could reward you uh, several weeks to come. Yeah, no problem with that whatsoever. And I just want to point out that Demi Sumo so far this year is the RB 42. And like I said, if he becomes the clear number one running back for them, the Wolfpack moving forward. That'll be huge for his value. Uh, I just want to also... Okay, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to our next guy here because this next guy is currently the RB13 on the year. That's because of his massive, massive game this past week. We're going to talk about him. This is a great pickup for now in terms of action later. Let's talk about Samson Evans running back out of Eastern Michigan. This is a guy that I've seen in the past where I just consider him a touchdown vulture. I've, I, I've had other guys on East, Eastern Michigan that I like better carrying the rock more, but it's just like whenever they got to the goal line, 
Evans would come in and he would just take away every touch, every touch along the goal line, and he would take the, the touchdowns, and you're like, well, crap, what am I supposed to do now? Well, it looks like he might be just the full-on running back one now. It's no longer just a role player for them. He is the guy that they'll give it to along the goal line, in the red zone, and between the 20s. This past week was insane. So let's look at what he's done so far this year. So week one, 15 carries. Is that, yeah, 89 yards, two touchdowns. All right, really good week. But again, Eastern Kentucky, don't really love, like you, you can't really trust that. Goes up against UL, uh, UL Lafayette. 10 carries, 19 yards, game scripted out of it. They fell behind early. They were not going to continue to run the ball. Then he goes up against Arizona State. And so far, he'd only carried it 15 and 10 times. In this game against Arizona State, he carried it 35 times for 257 yards and multiple touchdowns. I don't know about you guys, but anybody who gets 35 carries, especially on a Mac team, instantly has my attention, instantly tells me like there is serious upside with him down the line. And once he starts playing against even competition and they can run the ball a little bit more, this could be huge down the line. He's currently the RB13. Now, granted, like I said, he hadn't had great performances before that point. A lot of it is based on his performances last week where he finishes the RB8 on the week. But even still, y'all, this is... Whew, like 35 times by any running back is already impressive. 35 times for a Mac running back is... Alarm bells are going off in my head saying, like, this is somebody that you need to grab and stash for later. So, Brandon, what do you think about Samson Evans? I went on a little long there. No, you're good. Uh, this is... I mean, it's matching time, baby. So it's time to it's time to pick up the big guns. And Samson Evans uh, even said here on that one, even he he didn't even believe himself what he was capable of in this game against Arizona State. Arizona State, you know, not the greatest P five, but still, yeah. nonetheless, a team that everyone thought that Eastern Michigan didn't stand a chance against, and they absolutely went in there and smashed on Arizona State. So it was a great game. And I look at the carries, just like Aiden Ramos. When you shoot up to that many carries, immediately you have my attention because you have your RB one. There's really no RB one A or B. It's just RB one. And so I look at that. He's a touch hog, and that's what I want. So. I look for opportunity and look at the action that's coming up. So once again, just like, uh, you know, the other guys that we've talked about, he's a must have. Uh, he's one of those guys to where I, you know, this is a, this is a guy I would be looking for just like uh, Jalen and just like uh, Aiden Robbins as well. These are the, these are the three I would want really bad. Yep. Yep. No problem whatsoever. Um, we're going to not going to skip your final guy here, Brandon. We'll talk about him very briefly and everything, but we just got to keep moving and we'll yep. throw him in with honorable mentions, honorable mentions for running back. Damian Webb, running back out of South Alabama, we talked about him last week. He's still under 40%, and guess what? He still put up another top 24 performance at running back this week. This is Mr. Consistency all around right here, so go ahead and pick him up. Taj Brooks, not a great performance this past week against NC State. I still think that he is a valuable piece for that Texas Tech offense kind of moving forward here. They're going to find ways to get him touches. Clearly the best running back that Zach Hitley's ever had to work with, so definitely interesting there. Brendan Brady, running back out of UTSA, has started to kind of separate himself a little bit from the pack there. It 
if you liked having Sincere McCormick last year on your team, he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on, especially if he does continue to separate there. Two 20-point games in fantasy this past two weeks, so definitely check him out. And then last but not least, Richard Reese at Baylor. I don't know what to do with him right now because both Tay McWilliams and Qualen Jones basically were non-existent this past week. McWilliams was out. Qualen Jones had one snap and then was just done for the day. We have no idea what happened there. He was the guy that a lot of us kind of figured might be Baylor's next back. But no, he takes one snap, is out. In comes Richard Reese. 19 carries for 158 yards and three touchdowns, as well as a receipt, a reception for 17 yards. I want to believe that this is like Baylor's number one back kind of moving forward here, but also, again, credit to, credit to Nate here. He pointed out in our Slack, this is not the typical size that a Baylor running back typically is. Reese is like 5'8", 175 pounds, like not a very big guy whatsoever. So I'm going to tentatively say put him on a watch list i'm not going to say pick him up as if he's the new running back one at a baylor and if somebody else picks him up expecting him to be that let them make that mistake for right now so all right moving on from running backs we got wide receivers and tight ends to get to so let's get through it relatively quickly first things first let's talk about mr jalen hyatt wide receiver out of tennessee hyatt already has some value as the wide receiver too and yes Brew McCoy fans. He does. He is the wide receiver two for Tennessee for right now. And he's got even more value now that Cedric Tillman, at the at, at least for right now, is out. We don't know how long he'll be out. He could be back next week. But even still, there's a possibility that Tillman is out for any period of time. Hyatt instantly becomes the wide receiver one for Tennessee moving forward. And they have a pretty good matchups coming up and everything. They go to Florida this week. I forget where they go afterwards. But even still... This offense has gotten to the point where it's humming very, humming along very nicely against pretty much anybody not named Georgia or Alabama that they're going to be facing on their roster. So I really like the idea of picking up Hyatt here, especially, like I said, if he does become the wide receiver one. When Tillman went down this past week, he became instantly the deep threat option. He had five receptions for 100 and is it yeah 166 yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely monster day for him through the air. And I could expect more of that, more of that out of him. Like I said, if Tillman continues to be out, but he already have his own value regardless. So Brandon, what do you think about Jalen Hyatt here? I'm just surprised he's 22%. That's the mind blowing thing because he was did so good in camp. We talked him up a little bit. How we still thought he was wide receiver too, regardless, and that holds value alone. So now with Tillman possibly being out a week, he projects to wide receiver one. We always, you know, we just saw what happens if so if Tillman goes out, Hyatt becomes the guy. So 22%, it's criminal. I think you should already have him if you haven't already. So he's he's one of those must-haves, uh, especially with the next guy we'll talk about. The other two can be, you know, we could talk about as far as maybe uh, throwing some waivers in. But Hyatt should be owned. I, I, I'm just so blown away that he's only 22%. He definitely should be. If he's not taking a dynasty, I'm pretty sure he already has been for a year or so already. So. Yeah, but a redraft, it's still criminal, though, for 22% when you have a guy that's potentially wide receiver one in a high-octane offense in Tennessee with Hendon Hooker at the helm. So definitely pick up Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. Next wide receiver we got here. Wide receiver one out of Liberty. We got Mr. Demario Douglas. He is rostered on 15% of rosters on or on of leagues on fan tracks. He is some like very clearly one of Caden Salter's favorite options right now. 
in the two games that they did not face the UAB defense, you'll find they'll find that a threat. I would not recommend starting G5 guys against UAB's defense. They seem to be kind of holding guys down very well. But anyway, the two games against Southern Miss and Wake Forest, Demario Douglas has averaged uh, six receptions in those games. He had five and one, seven in the other. And he had receiving production of 97 yards and 124 yards. And he had two touchdowns in both of those games. This is a guy that, again, if especially if Salter continues to develop, continues to be comfortable, clearly he keeps looking at Douglas's way. He's somebody that I'm going to want, especially if Liberty continues to be in shootout after shootout with some of these teams. I like Demario Douglas quite a bit. Brandon, what are your thoughts on him? So my favorite thing about Douglas is that when I was tuning in, just because I wanted to, this is my first time getting a good look at Liberty, uh, you know, in a national game, especially against Wake Forest. So I had some interest just because of an ACC team. So I was checking him out and I was like, and the announcers were like, if you look at this guy, he fits that really nice, like slot wide receiver in the NFL type mold, stuff like that. So whether you're an Edelman guy, uh, Braxton Berrios, who we've seen, uh, you know, guys like that. And the way that uh, he just passes the eye test for me, like not even just fantasy wise, but just the way he'd come back to the ball, how crisp his routes were and just to see the outside. So full transparency, I was a CJ Daniels guy. So he's been hurt uh, even last season. I think he's still injured from the previous season, but he was the go-to guy for Malik Willis. So if Liberty continues with Salter, which I think the, you know, the passing of the torch has kind of happened. Salter's kind of the guy to take over Salter and Douglas as that combo now versus Daniels and Malik Willis was last year. I'm very intrigued by that. Um, and I think Douglas, I mean, we saw what he did over there as well. Seven receptions, 124 yards. One of the main reasons why they almost came back and beat Wake Forest. Um, so I'm definitely very interested in Demario Douglas. He's definitely one of the guys I have put waivers and bids on as well. So, He's a guy I want to have, just like Jalen Hyde, if you haven't already. Yep. Moving on to our third wide receiver here. Texas Tech got a major upgrade at quarterback this past year, with Lane Hatcher coming in over from Arkansas State. And it was a matter of time before we know Hatcher loves to prefer one wide receiver over all his others. We needed to figure out who that guy was going to be. And so far, it really looks like Ashton Hawkins out of Texas State is going to be that guy. He's rostered also on 15% of rosters in fan tracks. And the thing that really, really sticks out to me is how just how much he is the favorite. He has had double-digit receptions in two out of his last three games. His game against FIU, not very great. Still found a way into the end zone, which is always great. And that's really the thing that kind of sticks out to me here. Again, Against Nevada, he had 11 receptions for 101 yards and two touchdowns. Against Baylor, Baylor, he had 13 receptions for 114 yards and a touchdown. If that connection continues to grow between him and Hatcher, Texas State has a lot of damage that it can do in the Sun Belt in a lot of different shootouts. And Hawkins is definitely going to be involved in quite a bit of those. So I say Hawkins absolutely worth a pickup here and definitely got to watch your matchups week out, week in and week out, but I feel pretty good about him because he still performed very well against a team like Baylor. And it's PPR league, if you're going to get a guy with double-digit receptions any given week, hell yeah. Brandon, what are your thoughts on Ashton Hawkins? Yep, I'm, I'm looking at just like last year, uh, you had Rooker being the beneficiary of a hatcher there at the uh, 
you know, at Arkansas State now, Hatcher comes up to Texas State. He's looking for his Corey Rucker, and I think Hawken is his Corey Rucker this year. So uh, I definitely think he's worth the pickup. Am I as excited him as I am a Douglas or Jalen Hunt? Not quite, but he definitely is a guy that I would stash and play on the matchups. Eventually, it's going to get better for them. Like I said, their, their conference play will get a lot easier for them, uh, but it is matchup dependent. So not as excited, but I, I mean, if anyone says to me, Lane Hatcher's got his new wide receiver one, I'm interested. So yeah. definitely would definitely be worth the pickup for sure. Yep. Last but not least, I'm not super sold on this one, but again, it's another match and play. Grab him, sash him, wait for later. But he's performed very well in the first three weeks of the season. We have Mr. Justin Marshall, wide receiver out of Buffalo. I picked him up for my G5 league very recently, and I'm feeling very good about it because this past week, Against Coastal Carolina, he had eight receptions for 88 yards and a touchdown. The week before that, he had two touchdowns and over 100 yards against Holy Cross and then against Maryland. Not great, but even still, four receptions for 52 yards. Very much going to be matchup dependent here, but his role seems to be growing week in and week out. He becomes a better option for this new passing attack that Buffalo is trying to run with their new quarterback, Cole Snyder. Again, not super sold on this one. This isn't one that I think you need to be running to the waiver wires to grab and everything like that. But he's definitely somebody that, like, if you have a deep enough roster, grab him. Hold on to him. Maction's going to come around. He's going to be a very big part of that. So, Brandon, your thoughts on Mr. Marshall? I think Marshall is a great deep dive at 2%. I mean, it's one of those sweet flyers that you have. For me personally, he's still on the watch list. But as Maction approaches, like you were saying, that's where he becomes more intriguing for me. Uh, I'm still getting adjusted to Buffalo being a passing offense. I'm so used to the Jarrett Pattersons and, you yep. know, uh, McDuffie's of the world that just ran all over people. Um, so it's, it's been an adjustment to me. So I'm trying to catch up with the times, uh, but it's looking like Justin Marshall might be the best beneficiary of this Buffalo offense. So for now I'm a watch list, but as uh, you know, I'm hoping that his percentage doesn't jump up too high, uh, especially after the episode. And if he can, uh, if he can make it to match and it's not been taken, he would be a great uh, spot, uh, especially a spot start for redraft and then possible pickup in Dynasty as well. So definitely intrigued. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to throw out some honorable mentions here at wide receiver. First one I want to bring up is Keon Coleman, right wide receiver out of Michigan State. I think similar, it, this is kind of a mix between Jalen Hyatt and Jalen Polk, where I think it's a little bit of a mistake to run to the waiver wire thinking that Keon Coleman is now the wide receiver one for Michigan State. He had an awesome week this past week, nine receptions for 116 yards and two touchdowns. I think that is heavily dependent on Jaden Reed continuing to be out. If Jaden Reed is out for an extended period of time, then yeah, Coleman's a great pickup right now. We sh he showed why this past weekend. But because we don't know what's going on with Reed yet, I think it's a little bit risky to go out there and grab Coleman thinking that he's going to perform like he did this past week, week in and week out. And then Brandon, you brought up uh, honorable mention here, Shaki Jacques Louis. Uh, wide receiver out of Akron, a great name. This is this was the other piece of the trade between Kanata Mumfield and or between Akron and Pittsburgh. Akron sent Kanata Mumfield. Pittsburgh sent Shaki Jacques Louis. And so, yes, I will say that name over and over again because that is so much fun to say. Uh, but he's averaging sixteen point five fantasy points over the past three weeks. Maxion is coming soon. This is a offense that it looks like the way Jeff or uh, Joe Moorhead have it, has it set up. Is going to run through one quarterback, one wide receiver, and one running back. And those are the kind of systems you want to be a part of. Because Akron could absolutely score some points on people. So we will definitely see. Let's finish up with our tight ends here. <coughs> Let's talk about 
a guy I mentioned last week as an honorable mention. I said keep an eye out for him. And he just all he did was just go out and have a great week this week. We have Mr. Terrence Ferguson, tight end out of Oregon, rostered on 13% of leagues on fan tracks. I told y'all that this dude is one of Bo Nix's preferred targets in the red zone. I told you he had multiple targets in the red zone against Georgia. And he all he did this past week in a big-time game against BYU is when they got down to the red zone, he had two catches, two touchdowns. Do I expect a touchdown every catch he makes? Absolutely not. But he clearly is like one of their major red zone targets, and that's really all, all you can ask out of some of these tight ends. If you're struggling at tight end, yeah, you may not get the guy who gets the volume, but if you're going to get the guy that the QB's looking his way every time that they're near the goal line, they have to pass the ball, no problem whatsoever with that. I think I'm officially saying Terrence Ferguson is a waiver wire pickup for you if you're looking for a tight end on your roster. So, Brandon, what are your thoughts on Mr. Ferguson? I am with you. Uh, I'm one of those guys that struggle with tight ends. Not so much in redraft. I was looking to get Joel Wilson. He's doing fantastic. But in Dynasty, for the guys like me who have to deal with the Marshawn Fords that only are getting you seven fantasy <laughs> points or less every single week, uh, you know, and you don't want to drop them, but you want to keep them on the bench. Ferguson's a guy that if you have somebody that you're capable of dropping in a dynasty league, he's definitely worth the pickup for long-term, but also in redraft, he's a guy that can get it done, especially with the red zone targets. As you can see, two catches, two touchdowns. That's what you want because if anything, it's high PPR. That's two points. Plus you get an additional six points per touchdown. So you're getting a good, good amount of uh, touchdowns each and every week, especially if he's going for two. That's not every week, but they leave in a touchdown. That's seven fantasy points. That's more than what Marshawn Ford's getting every single week. Right? So this is the kind of tight end that you want to have is someone that can be productive in the red zone and earn your keep. If you're, you know, having to start a tight end spot, this is what you want to have is at least get 10 fantasy points or higher. And this is a guy that can do it for you. Yep. Let's talk about our other tight end and last player we're going to discuss here today. This is a Nick Allen special. I got to give him credit on this one because he called this before the season got started. Caden Prescorn, tight end out of Memphis. This past week against Arkansas State, he had caught five receptions for 69 yards and two touchdowns. Very, very reminiscent of what we have seen Memphis do with Sean Dykes in the past couple of years. It looks like they have found their replacement for him. And his role seems to be growing week after week. Week one, he had two receptions. Week four, he had four receptions. Week five, he had five receptions. Touchdowns going up, yardage going up each one of those games. They're getting more and more confident with him. He's getting more and more confident. And if he can be Sean Dykes for this Memphis offense going forward, yeah, that's going to be a tight end that you're going to want to be super a part of. And he's only, he is rostered, according to Fantrax, on 0% of leagues right now. This is a guy that you can get pretty much anywhere right now for free unless you're bidding. But, you know, who's really bidding that high on a tight end option? But anyway, Brandon, Caden Prescorn, what are your thoughts? Uh, you, you mentioned some of my strategy there. When it comes to tight ends, I'm not really bidding. I'm waiting for the waiver riders to run. And then I'm snagging one of these guys when it's the free player when you can grab him like the day or two before that as well. So very smart on Jared to pick up on that strategy as well. Uh, for 0%, that's that's so crazy, especially for a guy that can kind of get it done, especially in Memphis. Uh, you're always looking for a producer, and I think he's getting it done. I mean, we've seen his receptions go up, and, you know, his yards are going up because of it. So, And he went from one touchdown to two. So he's gradually each week progressing, and that's what you want to see is someone that's getting more and more involved. So definitely would take a uh, stab at this guy as well. Um, maybe, like I said, maybe not do the bids on him, but if you can grab him, if people forget about him because – 
you know, this is a name that's not really heard of a lot, then it's a great sneaky play for sure. Uh, real quick, uh, just some breaking news that I just ca- that just came across my phone, but apparently, wide receiver out of Minnesota, Chris Alvin Bell has torn mo- multiple ligaments and is out for the year. Wow! So that pretty much just tells me that Minnesota is just going to ride or die on on Ibrahim and Potts. Like they they yeah, they got nothing season. else. <laughs> maybe they throw to uh, maybe they throw to um, their tight end uh, Bryce something I forget Ford Span. Yeah. Um, they throw to him a little bit more, but even so, if they do, you'll see him on the waiver wire next week. Anyway, we're at the end of our show here. Brandon, you've been exceptional today, man. Again, before we head out of here, just want to remind everybody, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared. Uh, again, we got two shows every week for Chasing Natty this year. Uh, we got Mondays where we're doing waiver wire pickups, freakout scale, discussing the previous week's games. And then on Wednesday, you'll have myself and Chris Moxley, and we will be discussing your sit-start questions and dilemmas and we'll also be previewing the higher scoring games for the upcoming week so absolutely check that out brandon remind everybody where they can find you on social media as well as what kind of stuff you're working on right now sure um so you can find me at cff university um i'm there please if uh, if you dm me just just remind me like i said i'm getting to the dms it's a little bit easier now so i'm getting through those so if you have already i'll get to you pretty soon if not just give me a little just say bump or just say, hey, I'm still here. That way I can get to you. So please reach out to me there. Uh, of course, the Bet on C2C podcast here is in season. Uh, like I said, it drops every week with Chris K and Ethan Sowers. Please go check out their uh, their articles as well. Uh, you can get that through the in-season edge uh, content that we have for just $29.99. So definitely go check out that membership. It's a good way to get all the in, in-season content. Plus, I have access to the NIL chat with our Discord. It's something I recommend, especially with guys like Chris Moxley and those that are dropping uh, certain things ahead of time for the people that are part of our NOL chat and just a way that you can talk to us first before anybody else in the discord so like like Chris was saying you can become our best friends and we can talk all the time so it's worth doing it so definitely go check that out um, and then off season of course the future freshman podcast will be back you'll be seeing that as we get close to the end of the CFB season and as the recruiting season amps up you're going to be seeing that back um, super excited to see names uh, coming up as well we've had a few hits so far with like a Zion Turner starting and things like that that uh, have come to pass with the big fish small palm we're Hoping to hit a little bit more on those so uh we're going to try to keep a running scorecard there and see how that goes so uh but definitely check that out but uh cff university if you want to reach me on twitter yeah and appreciate all of you guys tuning in uh again we got a, we had an awesome show today had a lot of great wave wire pickups for you guys really hope you guys use this to better your teams kind of going forward and if you are doing really well in your leagues just shoot shoot me an at on twitter and just say like hey look i'm three and oh or i'm two and one it's like some of you, it's like, hey, it's my first year playing CFF, and I'm already like two and one. I'm like, hey, great job. That's hard to do. Harder to do than you think it is. So congratulations to all of you who are doing well. And for those of you who aren't doing so well, we're only in week three. Plenty of time for you to grab guys off the waiver wire and make those moves that you're going to need later down the line. If you keep listening to shows like this, you're going to have all the information you need. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. I really hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed day. See y'all.